Okay, welcome everybody. We're going to get started. Uh, I'm sorry, I know last week we said that we were not going to have a class today, but uh, I didn't realize that we were making our Lagba Eimer bonfire uh, starting tomorrow night as opposed to tonight. So, um, in any case, we're here now, and we're going to make it happen, and Emir Hashem will continue next week, and, and onward and onward and upward. So, uh, it's Lagba Eimer, starting uh, in a few minutes probably in about uh, 10 minutes from now. And uh, of course, uh, we're not going to talk too much about Rib Shimon Bar Yechai, but, but Rib Shimon was the, uh, the one who revealed to us the entire Torah of the Zohar HaKadosh, the first major revealer of Kabbalah, of the uh, secret, deeper wisdom of the Torah. And really, people can uh, argue about what it is Hasidus and what you know, Torah of Nachman for sure, and where it comes from, and exactly how to define Hasidic thought. It's like a whole topic, right? Academics speak about it and everything. In my opinion, Lamaisa Lamaisa, when it comes down to it, it it's it's all the main Indian is taking the Torah of Kabbalah and putting it teaching it in a way that can be understood by everybody on on their own level and on multiple levels. So everything that we have, I always say this, everything that we have in, in, the, in, the, in the deeper wisdom, in the Torah of Hasidus, and certainly in Kabbalah, everything that we have, we owe to Rabbi Shimon. Um, there's a famous thing that, that uh, at the beginning of the, uh, the Kutimaran, there's a whole place over there where, where it explains the Indian of Rabbi Shimon and his father, Yochai, and uh, the main understanding is is that uh, is that Rabbi Nachman considered himself to be a reincarnation of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yechai, and um, and uh, and of five big souls that went through all through the Jewish people, ending off with Rabbi Nachman, starting with Moshe Rabbeinu and ending up with Rabbi Nachman, and um, and so Rabbi Nachman has a has a particular deep connection with Rabbi Shimon. Um, and you see, in Rabbi Nachman's Torah, constantly, the the Zoyar is being quoted all the time. Whether it's the Zoyar or the Tikkun Zoyar, it's a it's 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 always there, because it's that deep aspect of the Torah. It's that hidden part of the Torah that that the tzaddikim revealed to us, which was first revealed by Rabbi Shimon. So uh, Rabbi Shimon, we 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 said over in in Shal Shudas that the main thing that Rabbi Shimon does. Not the main thing, whatever. One way to understand it is that Rabbi Shimon reveals the hidden, and 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 everything, everything that we that we strive towards, everything that we face, is in our lives, is and, and our goal always is not just to take what's right in front of us for granted, and assume that the illusion in front of us is reality. It's to always know that there's something deeper going on. There's something behind the scenes. There's something that's hidden that we maybe don't always see. And we're always trying to open our eyes to that. So, so I like to say, we're trying to use our, our, our Rib Shimon eyes to Rib Shimonize everything, <laughs> right? We want to be able to see with, 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 with the eyes of Rib Shimon. To see, what does that mean? It means see the hidden, reveal the hidden, see what's behind the scenes. So this is really the, the, whole, the, whole, the whole gang, the whole way of of Hasidus and of the deeper Torah. Certainly, certainly, certainly. We can all agree 
that Rabbi Nachman wrote a bunch of nursery-style fables that appear to just be interesting stories, weird stories about kings and princesses and here the wise people and foolish people and normal, simple, strange tales. And we see that within these tales is the deepest of all of his Torahs. It's Bidavka this point that what you see in front of you is only a facade. It's only the outer outer limits. What's hidden behind it is tremendously deep. So this is one way that Rabbi Nachman and Rabbi Shimon are very, very connected. Okay, I wanted to make sure just that we addressed the fact that it's Lag Bemer tonight. So, yeah. Okay, so let's go. We're, we're holding now in, uh, in the story. We're going to see some, some really, really interesting stuff over here today. Some other, tonight, there's going to be quite a bit of Musr tonight. Uh, quite a bit of stuff that's going to, we have to face, all of us. Uh, I think, uh, I think uh, most of you will be, will be happy with it and will not be hit too hard by it. But some people could be hit hard by this stuff. So he said, he said, in the meantime, I'm happy to roam around the land in different countries and to feast my eyes on the world, right? We saw that. And today we're on page in, in Rav Arush's book, The uh, Garden of Wisdom. We are on, there it is. We are on page 81 at the bottom. It says, he went in the market and saw tradesmen traveling in a large wagon and asked them, where are you going? And they said, to Lagorna. We're going to Lagorna. Would you take me there? Yes. So they took him there, and from there he sailed to Italy, and from there to Spain. Meanwhile, several years transpired, and he thereby became even wiser, since he had been in many countries. Okay. We have some deep stuff from Rav Kivak today, some awesome stuff from, from Rav Arush, and some, some very interesting ways that it connects to us. Um, let's just say two quick things from Rav Arush before we then we'll go over to Rav Kivak and then come back. So he said over here, Meanwhile, several years transpired, and he thereby became even wiser since he had been in many countries. Right? So Rabbi Nachman is making fun of him again here. He does this at every step of the way, according to Rav Arush. Right? He said, you don't become wise by roaming aimlessly through a bunch of countries. Right? He's saying, ah, oh, he's even wiser now that he's been roaming with no goal throughout a bunch of countries. Now he knows everything. He's like the, the proverbial teenager who decides to go backpacking through Europe and because they've got the whole entire universe figured out, right? <laughs> okay. And then he says, then he contemplated, now it would be a good time to think about the ultimate goal. And Rebarish says that from this you see, he's catching himself in his own words. He's admitting that he hasn't, he hasn't been working towards anything up until now. Everything that he's done has been without a goal. So now he's like, okay, I better start now, start thinking about my ultimate goal. So that's the place where, where Ravar starts over here. So we'll, we'll get into the problems and the causes of all his downfalls soon. But let's start with Rav Kivak. So he says over here that, that there's an Indian that we have, uh, if you've all heard the Puzzik before, Sheva, I think it's a Maimar Chazal actually, Sheva Yipol Tzadik Vakam. A tzaddik falls seven times and gets up, right? Beautiful statement. And um, one of the beautiful ways to see it, not the way we're going to look at it here now, is that, is that it's not the Sheva Yipol. It's the fact that even after seven times falling, tzaddik gets back up. Only the tzaddik keeps getting up. 
no matter what he faces, right? We're all going to fall a bunch of times and keep going, keep keep falling, and keep keep having stumbling blocks along the way. But the tzaddik keeps getting up, keeps getting up. Sheva yipol tzaddik v'kam. That's one way to see it. But Rukhilak explains over here that, by the way, is the Sofi Tevis. If you take Sheva yipol tzaddik v'kam, right? The the and then take the last letter of each one of those words, it spells out Amalek. Because why? We're going to see here now. We're going to go through four different four different places, four different cities that he travels to, and we're seeing this thing of Amalek here. And we're going to explore a, a, a theme through this. This theme works in gematrias, and it works in things like this, where we have this concept that we say, um, that Hashem, we, you have Kedusha on one side, holiness on one side, but opposite that, you have the balancing side of evil. Right? And they always, there's always that balance there. And this is, of course, uh, in a basic sense, in order to facilitate a life of meaning with free will. I can actually accomplish something by choosing the right thing. Right? That's the basic understanding of it. But, but so what it means is Sheva Yipol Tzadik Vakam. That means that a Tzadik is always, it can, can become the highest of the high. Why? By following this path. But you know what's on the other path if you don't do that? Is a Malik. Right? Meaning... The one hand is the, is the tzaddik and the one hand is the malik. Why? So if you remember, we said by, by, um, by, by the, the story of Amalek himself that, that the Pasuk says that Amalek came and asher korcha baderech that he, he accosted us on the way but the korcha happened upon us, right? Like a mikra. But on the other hand, korcha also means from the word kor for cold. Meaning he cooled us off. Remember in The Lost Princess we had the Amaleki chill Right, that he cools us down from what from from our energy, from our from our our avoda, from our work to be to, to grow. Right, this is what Amalek does. So this is the polar opposite force to the tzaddik. The tzaddik is gonna is gonna face challenges, and and is gonna keep standing up to those challenges. Gonna fake test, face tests, and is gonna keep standing up to those tests. Sheva yipol tzaddik, but the key is vikam. He gets back up. Mashen kain. What's the opposite of that? is Amalek. You face a few tests, and then you get cooled off, and you're like, uh, it's not for me. I'm just going to go back to bed. I'm just going to... I'm going to eat some more. I'm going to get some more cheesecake, some more ice cream. I'm going to, you know, I don't know, watch TV for 10 hours straight. I don't know. Whatever it is, right? This is the other side of the story. So, um, so you have these two, these opposing forces. So, but it's Sheva, Seven Falls, so we're going to enumerate now seven aspects that the Chacham goes through and how they're all pulling him down step by step. And he doesn't become the Tzaddik. He becomes the, on, the side of, on the side of Amalek, right? So let's see how the whole thing works. So the first place that he went, we already had, was to, to Varsha, to Warsaw, right? And we knew that, that, that Warsaw was this union of, of clarity, and, and truth and sharpness. That's, that's the Poland is known for. He, he brings in in, in in a few places here that, that Poland is known for. There's a few words like uh, like to be a to be a Vorshanik was to be someone who was who, who was very sharp and intellectual. And and I think he says that the, the, the Hasidim that came from these parts of Poland were not just the simple Emuna type of uh, simple people Hasidim. They were like the ones that had to be really intellectual and sharp. 
right? I, think he said, I can't remember which ones he said came from there, but but that, that's the end, you know, of, of Poland, right? Right. So Warsaw, that's the first place he went. So that was the first klipa. The next klipa. Now he goes to this place called Lagarna. That's where we're at now, right? So Lagarna, what's the story over here? He says in an earlier place that Lagarna, the word, the the, the letters of Lagarna are lo, gar, na. Gar means gar means really in in a sense it, it means it means like a like I'm just dwelling here I'm 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 here I'm not here permanently I'm just here a little bit so he's like Lagar I'm not only here temporarily he says no 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 I'm I'm in the world I'm an Olam Hazeh person I'm I'm never gonna die I'm invincible I'm staying here forever in Olam Hazeh this is the, this is my only focus is the world that's in front of me this world right and all of its pleasures and all of its uh, Dry, uh, pulls and drives and all these things, right? So, so Lagarna really refers to. He says over here. I'll read it out here. L'chein nasa lelagarna lehisgashem b'shvitz. So I think it's in Switzerland or Sweden, maybe. Schweiz. Schweiz. It's one of those two. Forgive me. Yeah, Switzerland is the chocolate place, right? Yeah, Switzerland. Liyad beside the mountains, Shoresh Eklipos, Lagarna, Bigamatria Eretz. And Lagarna, the word, is the Gematria of Eretz, which means the earth. Why? Because it's the pull of earthly things, is what he experienced over here. Shasakehem, what do they do over there? Shasakehem, Laharbois, Mitzios, Agashmius. They build up Gashmius over there. In what way? Beshakoladehem, with all their Swiss chocolates. Shasakehem, Shaonehem. Their fancy Swiss, Swiss watches, Gevinoisehem. Their fancy cheeses, right? And Ubankehem, and their and their banks, Swiss bank account, right? But the whole the whole thing over there is all oh so delicious, right? Rich chocolate. I love chocolate. I love chocolate and cheese. Oh my gosh, I'm 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 a I'm a dairy person. I've I've yeah good chocolate and good good proper cheese. Oh, it's fantastic. See. See what it's got a hold of me over here. So this is where he went over there. And in this place, this is the klipa that he faced. Right? And he ate it up. Literally. <laughs> he, Mamash, became part of this place. This is where he went. He, now remember, he's a chacham. Really, he has intellectual prowess. He has a powerful mind. So not only did he go there, like I might, and enjoy the chocolate and the cheese. But he made a whole Asik out of it. He made a whole Chachma out of it. He learned it and developed an understanding of it and really got, really, really got into it. And this is something, there's, there's a tremendous theme, tremendous theme throughout this now that we're going to see. Rav Arash speaks a lot about it. I'm going to try to just interweave the two of them here. But Rav Arash says in all these places that, 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 that if a person doesn't take time to step back and look at themselves, and always be looking for truth, which we're going to speak about, and just gets pulled into these things, you get pulled off track, right? And it's not only if you get... So I'm thinking in my mind here the whole time about this, this whole trend of foodies, right? People are foodies. You know this thing? A foodie, right? I have a tremendous tendency to be like this. I love cooking good food and you know proper ingredients and everything. I could really get eaten up no pun intended, by this whole concept, you know? And, um, but, but people make such, people make a chachma out of it. They invest tremendous energy 
tremendous mind space in, in this. And, not only that, but it becomes something chashiv. Another aspect of the, of, the, of the Chacham is that everything that he does is, is a way for him to show everybody else his talents and his greatness and his, 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 his Chachma. So food, being a foodie in our society has become something that you can be like, okay, yeah, I'm a foodie. I know, oh yeah. And you can talk the terms. You can know all the different types of cheese and meat and wine and everything, right? And you can, it's a whole thing. It's a Chachma. So first of all, it's pulling you into a realm of total physicality for the, for, for, for the most part. But, but another thing happens when, when we go into there. It's not only that we just go into physicality and, and we develop more of our animal self, but the whole time that we're involved in that and we're spending all that energy and time in there, we're missing the opportunity that we had to turn it into something holy. Right? To do something amazing, to do something positive, to do something growth-oriented. It's going to bring me closer to my goal. What's my goal? To get married and have kids? Nope. It's one of them. It's part of it. It's Devekis Bashem. It's the mamish to be connected to Hashem. That's my goal. Right? So you're going to say to me, wait a second, Rabbi. I thought it's a very good idea and it's proper to have very good food on Shabbos. Aren't you supposed to honor Shabbos with good food? So I'm going to go and learn how to be a foodie. And I'm, gonna, and I'm gonna use it in order to honor Shabbos, right? So theoretically, that's, that's probably pretty okay, right? H- however, one of the main things, this is like the, the Ravarajan this week, so important is that we must, must, must be absolutely truthful and honest with ourselves. We can't fool Hashem. There's no, there's no point. It's stupid to try. Am I really doing it? Am I really spending all this time and, and all this bandwidth on the internet to learn all these aspects of how to cook this and how to buy this and everything to make? Is, am I really doing it because I want to honor Hashem and I want to honor Shabbos? Right? Just be honest. Because there's a, there's, a, there's a balance there that where, where it can work. Right? There's a balance there where it can work. But the way that people are into these things nowadays are to such an extent, like they jump in when it defines you. Whole body. Yeah, everything. It put everything into it. Like we say, I'm all in, right? They're not all in in, in Dvekas. They're all in in being a foodie, right? So this is what Lagarda is all about. This is, this is what Lagarda is all about. You hear? You with me? It's not much a thing. Not much a very big thing. So, yeah, and you could pick anything. You could see any... any this could be something to do with hobbies... Right? You could say to yourself, these are important also, you could say to yourself, you know what, I'm, I'm a little, uh, I'm having like, a, I'm mentally overwhelmed, emotionally, psychologically overwhelmed, things are hard for me, I, I need something. I need something to do a little bit during the day, right, to, 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 to have a break, to be able to, to settle myself, right? Rabbi Nachman would agree with this for sure. Say sometimes in order to gain simcha, we need to be involved in miladishtusa, in silly things even, right? So another great example is another trend, especially among seems among wealthier people, is to get into gardening. Oh, is that bad too? Yeah, right. So Sandra said, oh, "Is that bad too?" 
right? So certainly not, right? I mean, you know what the answer is going to be. So, so if, if, if you have a stressful life and you, need, you feel you need to do something, you need a, a hobby, something to do a little bit, okay, so do it, right? Yeah, it could be the same thing. So, so, so do a little bit of gardening. But there's the guy who does a little bit of gardening and who just takes care of his yard a little bit, right? And then there's the guy, once again, he watches all the videos, he reads all the books, he has the whole system in the house outside with the, with the, with the drip irrigation landing on each individual plant and spends hours and hours and hours and spends a ton of money on this, a ton of money, right? And, and it's, it's just, he once again, he's all in, in, in gardening. He's all in in something that, that clears his slate from, from obligations. And, and these are kind of, po- these, these things we're talking about now are somewhat positive things, right? Rivaris takes it to a new level, we'll, we'll see in a minute, right? So there, there's a balance. I, you know what? And what am I doing this for? And am I truthful and honest with myself? The Chacham just becomes a great foodie and then goes and becomes a, an amazing gardener and learns all the things. And that's, that's all he's doing. Mashain came. If I'm able to say, you know what, I, I, I'm stressed, I'm overwhelmed, I need to go outside right now and just work in the yard a little bit. And that's going to give me the, the Yishuv Hadas. It's going to settle my mind. So now I can, I can go and get back on track. I can work towards my ultimate goal with all the good things I'm trying to do in my life. The ultimate goal of the Vekas, through giving time to my family, giving time to learning, giving time to chesed, giving time to all these things. Yeah, I need a break, okay. But then I'm going to get back on track. Oh, that's fine. That's fantastic. Right? But this, the, the, the Chacham is not doing that. He's all, all in in the wrong way. So then he goes from there. Omisham, hiflig Italia. From there, he, he, he flig, the Italian. What does he flig mean? He flig, Fled. what? Fled. Yeah, it kind of, it has a connotation of, of, of like flying away, like really far, right? So he flig, he didn't just go, it's the only one he says that by. What's, what's the idea over there? Because, so Italia over there is a, is, is a place that is the gematria of, of Italia is, is nun. Meaning nun, uh, sorry, it's fifty. Meaning nun shari bina, the, the fifty levels of understanding. He, he says, ish, ish seir. It's the place of Esav. Esav is Rome, and and this place of uh, tremendous beauty and intellect, right? So she Esav avinu ki hisig de hadikna Esav. This is a crazy, this is from the deeper Torah. Esav was able to get a higher level of perception than Yaakov Avinu even. This was his, he, he had a tremendous level of perception. He was able to perceive the hairs of the supernal beard. Okay, we're talking Kabbalah now. You know what it means? That's okay. And therefore, therefore, Esav's head is buried in Maras Machpelah. Right? Everybody knows, all the kids know this story. Yeah, he's got head cut off and rolled into the Mars Machvela. Why his head? There's a few explanations why. But the Kabbalistic deep one is, is because his head was, was, was his top thing. He was able to have high perceptions of the Kabbalistic universes of, of, of Hashem somehow. Don't ask me why. <laughs> right? That is the Indian of Esau and the Indian of Rome and, and, and Italia. 
So, but all the wisdom, the main thing is here, this is a beautiful line, but kol hachachmas, so why only his head was buried in there? Why not the rest of his body? Ki kol hachachmas midaisav. But all of that wisdom did not travel downward, did not flow down to change anything about him, to change his midas, to change his character traits, to change him for the better. And where it's Edom and Italia Romi, Noifel Achacham Le Sharim de Tuma. So over there, there's 40 levels of Tuma, 50 levels of, sorry, 50 levels of Bina, right? But you can have this on the side of Tuma or on the side of Kedusha. So over there in, in Italia, this is where he fell down level after level into the realm of Tuma, into the realm of spiritual impurity. And, and, and what were these gate, gates? Nun Shari Bina, the 50 gates of understanding or the 50 gates of Tuma. One, he went through one gate after the other. And every gate was a new Hisrachakus Meakadusha Umehashkacha. Every gate he went through, he removed himself from holiness, from Kadusha, and from Hashkacha. What's Hashkacha? Is, is seeing the hand of Hashem in the world. Being able to see, like we said today about Rav Shimon, being able to see behind the curtain how everything is really coming from Hashem. Every step he went, every new Chachma he got himself into in Italia, in Italy, sorry, <laughs> he, he moved farther away from Hashem and farther away from seeing the hand of Hashem and godliness in the world. Right? And so this is another, it's the same thing that, that, that I was saying before. I believe this to be a very important point of, of, of this whole thing is that we sometimes think that what's the harm so I'm going to get involved in some kind of other type of outside wisdom right and okay whatever I'll just take a break and, and get in there or I'm going to benefit from this so just imagine for a second that that's like you would you would start looking into the like like uh, like idolatry okay I'm just saying just, it's, uh, I don't want to speak about any current things particularly. But imagine that there's uh, out in the world today, instead of having you know, different religions or different motivational speakers or different new age type of thoughts out there, imagine that you had actual Avedizars. You had the Baal over here and he gave good advice. And you had over here, I don't know what the other ones are, another type of Avedizar, an Asherah, and, and, that, and that gave good motivational things and, and helped you along, right? So it would be easy for us to say, okay, I can't go touch that. That's a void of Zara. Like, I'm not going to go there, right? Even though we know that in the times when a void of Zara was around, it was almost an irresistible pull to, to, to go after them. And that's why, even though we had Hashem and we had miraculous events, Klal Yisrael still went after a void of Zara. Because it was something that we can't even understand, the, the power of the pull that it had, right? But even if we would say now, we would have our eyes open, we'd be like, what the, Vodazara? Right? So we would say, but I'm not going for the Vodazara, I'm going for the, for the, for the, for the wisdom. I'm just going to use that wisdom to help me along in my, in my path. So not only am I actually going to learn from a Vodazara, not am I going to, some, to something that's outside of the realm of Jewish wisdom, Right? But which is a source of tuma. But the whole time that I'm on that path, I think that it's taking me somewhere. 
I think that it's leading me somewhere, and I'm, I'm not going on the path that I should be on. I'm not being taken to the place I could be taken to. Right? I'm being led down the wrong path. It's like, it's like uh, another example of this that's it's, it's really interesting. Think about this one of ours brings down in a, in, a, in a way. I'm going to say it slightly differently and then we'll get to his. Imagine a person who, who really wants to do something that's going to waste a lot of time. Okay, I don't know. I don't know what it is. Something, something involved with, let's say, there's something in, related to the media that they want to spend. They want to binge watch something and they're going to spend literally like 20, 30 hours over a week and they're going to have no spirit. They're not going to do anything else the whole week except for, this is the perfect thing. I hear about this all the time. I'm going to catch up to you on this thing they're watching, whatever the show is. I don't know how long I could that go for. I could go for a whole week, right? Yeah, whatever it is, you can spend a lot of time. Okay. And so the person, but they're a little, but like, should I really do that? Should I really spend every spare waking moment involved in this, and and totally lose my whole week, so I can catch up, or or should I do this or what? So comes along the person's friend, and says, you know what, you deserve this. Right? It's probably coming from somewhat of a good place, but these are these stupid little things that we say because we've been programmed to say them without thinking, without really offering any good advice or wisdom. It's just a thing people say. You know what? You deserve it. People say these things, right? They want to yeah, they want to rationalize and justify what is happening over here. So not only have you now decided, you know what? This is okay. This is okay. This is fine. Right? I deserve it. We all, we all agree. I deserve it. Ah, I'm going to do it. And maybe after that, I'll do another one even. Right? But now that I'm on this path of thinking that this is the way I should go, and that it's okay, and that it's fine, so I'm, 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 I'm not only on a path of shtus, no offense, but, but I'm missing out on a whole new path that I could be going down. I'm missing out. He says, we're removing ourselves from Kedusha and from Hashkacha. Who knows where I could have been and who Hashem is putting in that place where I could have been there, and I could have met. Who knows what would have happened if I would have been going down a place where I was thinking with, with proper wisdom and, and, and contemplating the truth of, of my path and where I should be and what I should be doing. Once again, I know this is scary stuff. I'm not saying that we don't need, need to take breaks and we don't need to have recreational activities. Of course we do. Everyone does. You know, hobby, whatever, hobbies, these things, well, we need something, right? But we can get on a path like this that takes us somewhere and takes, takes way too much of our time and our energy and our money and just pulls us in and we, Hashem expected us over here and He set something else from, uh, up for us there. Something amazing was going to happen to me over here. But I was just like, no, I deserve this. And I went that way. <laughs> for a long time, with a lot of energy and a lot of time and a lot of brain power and a lot of money. And I missed out on where I could be. I missed out on who I could be. Right? So this is the Indian over here of getting deeper and deeper involved into, it could, be, it could be other wisdoms, it could be other things like this. And I just pull myself off into, the, into a realm where, 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 where there's no point. Right? I think Ravarish says in his book, because you know, he's from Eretz Yisrael, obviously, and there's a common thing that um, 
that uh, people who were in the army, right? It's not, it's not an easy experience. It can be very traumatic and very difficult. And so it's not unheard of, relatively common, that they'll go from the army, they'll go straight to the Far East. And they'll go to the Far East because they, 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 they have to take a break, they have to get away. They have to regroup, they have to rethink. And so where do they go? They go over here and they go to, uh, to, to India and to Tibet and all these places. And um, there's a certain uh, Chabad Shliach who comes, uh, who, uh, a friend of mine, and uh, his, his name is Rip Shmuel, I don't remember his last name. But he comes and he, he, has, he has a Chabad house in one place in, in India that's like way out in the middle of nowhere, but it's known to be a particularly spiritual place. And you can't imagine the number of Israelis that come to him, and they have Pesach with him, and they and so many have have left everything. They left Israel. They left Judaism. They left everything, and they come there, and they and he's able to to welcome them and to give them some love, and so many so, so many come back, right? But it's 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 one of these things. Not only were they involved in something that was not kosher according to Judaism, at all, right? But, but they, 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 there's like a whole... They missed out on something. They missed out on, on all the Kedusha that could have been, right? What I'm saying is also a little problematic <laughs> because we can't, we can't discount that whatever we go through, we needed to go through, right? The difficulties we experienced, the paths that we went down that we view as mistakes... Okay, so when I'm making those choices, it's a mistake. But after I've, after, it's, after I've been there, that means Hashem needed me to go there. And I needed to experience that. This is a difficult stuff here we're dealing with. But, but everything considered, the, <laughs> we'd prefer not to have to go down those paths if we don't have to. Right? If we can first gather ourselves and if we can work towards Kedusha, and, 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 and move in that way. I'm not talking about the regular ups and downs. I'm talking about when we, when we take ourselves off, when we know that we don't have to, when we could do better. So that's, that's uh, Italia. Then he goes, where does he go next? He goes to Spania, to Spain. So Spain, Spania, is Gematra MS with one more. So tough Membeis as opposed to tough Mem Aleph. It's the, uh, so, well, what's Pshat over here? Because it's, it's a hint to, he says, to the Chukrim, This, I think, is, a, is a amazing. So he says, first of all, that, that in Spain, you know, Jews were there for, for hundreds and hundreds of years, flourished and did very well, and then were totally wiped out and expelled. Completely, right? And, uh, and he says that they, they were wiped out and expelled there because they got too much involved with the, the aspect of chokrim, th- uh, philosophy, this type of thing. I, I don't really know how that goes with Spain. I'm not 100% sure. I know the Rambam was there and he was into philosophy a lot. And that's the part of the Rambam which is controversial that some people are very against and say that some of his, one of his books is totally, Renachman is one of them who says this, the one book of the Rambam is like, we don't read it. The Vilnagon was like this also, he said about certain parts of the Rambam most of the Rambam, he says, we follow, but certain parts of the Rambam, the Rambam did not know what he was doing, says the Vilna Gaon. 
Yeah, very interesting. And the Rambam's books were burned because of this, by the way. Right? There's a famous, uh, one of the kinas that we say on Tisha B'av is for um, a city in Europe. I want to say it was Worms, but I'm not sure if that was it or not. But there was a terrible decree where they gathered together, I think something like 24 wagons full of the Talmud and burned them. And they said that it was because that it was a, like a tikkun for the fact that they had burned the Rambam's books when they first came out. And this was like a tikkun for that. Right? Like, the, like the, the, the oppressors burned the wagons of the books over here because the Jews had burned the Rambam's book back when it first came out. Right? But, so there was something going on in there in the realms of philosophy that is beyond my, my understanding. So I'm not sure. However... The thing that Rabbi Kibak says here that is very interesting is that the gematria of, of, of Spain over there, of Spain, is one more than truth. He says, They were researching, searching after the truth to be like one more than it. One up on emes. Right? So this is also, mamish, a sickness. That you see that, that very often we can get we can fall prey to, which is that we're looking for we think we're looking for truth, but as we're looking for truth, we find something, but then, I don't, I don't know if this, if any of the people here are involved in this or not, but it's like oh I gotta I gotta uh, I need more, I need it to be I need it to be deeper I need it to be smarter, right I talk to no people like this who were like I need it to be cooler. I needed to be more interesting. I needed to be smarter. I needed to be deeper, right? I need to one-up truth, right? Which is a tremendous klipa of chachma, quote-unquote chachma, right? Yes, in a bad way. It's not enough that I can just, I can just be this tamimus. We haven't talked about the tam here at all. But, but, but the tam is going to see truth and be happy with it, be, be, be okay with it. We're going to see in Rav Arush very, very shortly that, that this aspect of truth is, is crucial, that I'm able to look at myself with truth and, and take responsibility and accept my contribution to my own situation, <laughs> right? Just to be able to be, uh, to see truth and to be okay with it, right? Or to, or to, to see something deep in Torah that, ha- that speaks something, something of truth, and not to have to be like, well, question, I don't think so. You know, I need to go, I need to figure out why. You, know, you ever know these people who they go to a shear specifically on purpose to be able to slug up the guy giving the shear? They want to be able to, right? I remember I heard a story that, that Rabbi Weinberger was telling, Rabbi Weinberger was telling, that, uh, that you know, a, a, young, a young family, they got married, the guy learns and, learns and whatever, and they had a baby boy, so they made a bris. And so the young father, you know, he prepared a, a, a Dvar Torah to say at the bris, from Yeshivish community. So in the Yeshivish community, you say, you don't say a Dvar Torah like I would say, where it's trying to be inspiring and, and meaningful. You take something, a uh, Gemara, and you take it apart and try to, you know, like this, pill-pull type of thing. And so, uh, and there was a, another guy there, a certain type of rabbi over there, who's always negative, he said, and always, and, and he, he went up to him afterwards, and just started going through and showing him why everything that he said was not correct. Right? Like, there's certain people that their, their main goal in life 
is to it's like the guy by by the Torah reading. You know, some people can't wait to correct. They, 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 if if the if the Balkari would read the whole the Torah the whole the first Shabbos and would never make a mistake, they would go home upset because they didn't get to correct the Balkari, right? There's some people that they just have to go one step further. They have to take it. It's not enough that everything's just okay. That I found something meaningful and and that that, that that's truth. No no no. I got to find what's wrong with it, right? I got to go deeper. I got to go one up on truth. Right? So this is, of course, this is, this is another level of klipa over here. You with me? So, so he says like this. Let me see, I got the right place over here. Yeah, a klal. What's the main general principle over here? She'elu dalet hanafilois. The these four descendings that the Chacham has over here, Varsha, Lagarna, Italia, and Spania. Heim Lumas Dalet HaMochin De Kedusha. They correspond to the four intellects of Kedusha, of holiness. These are four negative intellects, and they, they're, they're opposite, the four intellects of Kedusha. As we said, there's always a balancing force. He fell into these wisdoms that are, that are Shtus and Hevel, vanity and... and Stupidness. Varsha hu pagam hachachma. That's that's a, a blemish in wisdom. Italia pagam habina is in bina, uh, which because because it was the gematria of nun, which is bina, the nun shari bina. Spanya shurish hamidos vechein hasheker shenis ames etzlay. That 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 Spanya refers to the midos and the 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 false beauty and and. Uh, and, and that, that became truthful to him, that became the real beauty to him. Until, until he only was able to see false beauty in the world. And then the last one was Lagorna, which is the gematria of the ground, the earth, which is, which is the, the aspect of, uh, of the lowest of them all. So we had the, the, the four intellects, which will probably would be Keser, Chachma, Bina, and Das, I would assume. And then that's the four places. And then, uh, and then, or sorry, Chachman Bina, and then, sorry, the first two were Chachman Bina. Then he says that that Spanya was the Midas, which I assume is the the seven Midas, and then Lagorna is the Aris, which is the bottom one, which I assume I assume would be the the uh, would be the the Malchus. I think that's how he's saying it. But the whole structure was 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 pulled down over there. Something like that. Okay. Okay. This is this is the gold over here. This is one of the main points. We're trying to make points to define the the chacham. This is one of the main ones. We said it a little bit earlier. The outcome of all of his wisdoms, everything that he's trying to do over here, what's the purpose and the outcome of it all? Is to build his own yishus, his own self. To build himself up. Not, 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 in, a, not in a holy way. <laughs> that everyone should know of my, everyone should know of my wisdom. Berash <laughs> Gadol with tremendous noise. 
Everyone should see me. Everyone should know me. I'm only learning all this wisdom so that I can become something that everybody can see. Ego. Ego for sure. This is what all of these wisdoms are about. Right? So what happens is, the person goes into the situation. You fall into these wisdoms, all into the, all these things, and a person is, is, is going to forget the tachlis, forget the ultimate purpose. Right? I can, I, I can become an amazing foodie. And I, I can become an amazing gardener. <laughs> right? And I can, I can learn all the Eastern meditations and everything. And I can take all these things. And, and, and at the end... What happened? I forgot, I forgot my purpose. I forgot what I'm doing over here. I'm not here to be a great gardener. I'm, I'm here to get close. What's my, what's my goal? Devekus Bashem. And if I put so much time and energy and, and everything into these, I'm not going to get there. I'm going to get sidetracked. Yeah. So this is where we can find ourselves. Um... So Ravarish takes this. And, uh, I know. Uh, am, I, am I am I pulling anybody down over here? Or are we on board? <laughs> I mean, it's not bad though to to learn those things to help others and to make a greater impact in the world for the positive, right? If that's what you're doing it for, like our line of work, for instance, right? Hundred percent. Well, the main thing is, like we said, is what's the truth? That's it. What's the truth? This is this is the main thing. So, if you look at page eighty-three in in, in Rav over here, he um, he 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 has a section titled "The Strength to Overcome." Um, so he says like this: that. So. He's he says he isn't only now deciding that, okay, I better, I wasn't on track. I wasn't re- working towards any type of goal up until now. Now I better get back on track. That's not what he was doing. He really thought that all the time he was, he was on track. But he says, but as with every, every other lust and bodily urge, he didn't have the inner strength and willpower to overcome such temptations. So meanwhile, he rationalized that whatever he was doing was proper, despite the fact that deep down he wasn't satisfied and knew he was wrong. Right? Ravarish is, is going to say over here that there, there's, there's some aspect that we have where we all have this strength, that we all have an inner strength, that in the situations that we face, there's something that we are able to overcome. We're not all the same, and some of us maybe have more strength than others and can handle different situations than other people can. But Ravarish is taking us to task. He's saying, don't rationalize. You have something that you can do, things that you can overcome, Right? And if you choose not to do it, you're going to rationalize it away. And you're going to decide that, 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 that really what I was doing was, was proper and it had a purpose. So he says, the Gemara teaches us that no one can overcome his own evil inclination without Hashem's help. The only way to do it is through, he says, is to pray profusely. This is a big, a big aspect of, of Rav Arush's book, is the importance of his poetodus, daily self-examination and tons of prayer so he says like this he brings the examples of um, he's going to bring addictions so um, some people may frown upon using addiction as examples over here 
But he's going to use drug addictions and then go down to, to other things also. So he says, drug addicts know that they are doing damage to themselves. Yet they continue. So many spend phenomenal sums of money on their habit, even at the expense of home and family, and often end up dying of overdose or suicide. Right? They simply lack the will to overcome the self-imposed slavery. But I, I'll never forget, I remember early, many, many years ago, I heard a talk from Rabbi Tatz, Rabbi Kiva Tatz, where he was talking about, I don't remember, I think it was a talk about free will. But he was saying how he met a person at one point, Rabbi Tatz is a doctor, also like a medical doctor, and he was in a hospital and there was a guy who was wheelchair bound and with tremendous, terrible emphysema because he was a lifelong smoker, right? And he had to have an oxygen thing all the time. And he sees him outside the hospital with the oxygen, with everything, with a cigarette. And, and he's, like, he's like, the guy knows, right? A few months later, he came back and the guy was missing a leg. He lost a leg because of the lack of circulation and everything that was... And he's still outside with a cigarette. He knows. He knows. But he didn't, he didn't have the ability, the strength, to be able to overcome it at that point. Yeah. He says other times, nowadays there's a tremendous problem with, with, problem with, with the ridiculous addiction to pornography. Not only do their income and marriage suffer, but they become virtually insane, living in a mode of denial of self-destruction. Listen to this. They corrupt themselves, taking the most beautiful connection between a man and woman and turning it into filth. Right? And what, 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 what does such a person think? Justification. Oh, everybody does it. Everybody, you know, it's uh, men. You know, men are men. Right? Boys are boys. People say these things. How many, how, many, how many wrongs have been ignored by saying boys will be boys? <laughs> right? Yeah. Those addicted to money, spending 19 hours a day running after an additional dollar, testify that their lives are void of any life. We have to know this famous statement, are we working to live or are we living to work? I first heard this from Rabbi Noah Weinberg from Meisha Torah. Famous thing he used to say. Or he said it also by eating. Am I eating to live or am I living to eat? It's all part of this whole, this whole mindset, right? So their addiction, the person who's addicted to money, it's not the same addiction. It's, right? it's a, their addiction takes precedence over wives and children just like it does with other types of addicts. And again, they lack the strength to overcome this self-imposed slavery. He keeps saying these words, self-imposed slavery. So, I know Rabbi Arush has met with thousands and thousands of people. And he knows the power of addiction. And he knows that, that it's not something that I can just stop. It's just not. So, so what's he saying? Is he just saying you guys are all bad people and... Right? That's not what he's saying. So the next, the, next, the next section that he has over here on page 84 is called Acknowledging the Truth. And here he says, the main thing that we have to do, people fail to overcome addictions because they lack the necessary self-composure to meet the truth face to face. Just stand up first and say the truth. Acknowledging that there is a problem is already a good part of the solution. That's a famous statement, right? 
So he says, we, see, we, we now see the importance of daily self-assessment. A person must constantly ask himself, what's true? While assessing his current actions in light of the truth. If the addict would do so, he would say, my actions are incompatible with the truth. He would say, it's not, it's not right. Justification and rationalization is, is like, like we saw in Rav Kivak. What does it do? It just covers up the truth. And, and, and it sends you down a completely separate path of the path that you should be on. Just not ignoring the truth, just not lying to myself, will keep me on a path that I'm working towards Geula. I'm working towards Devekis. Even if it's a long path, even if it's a, one of, someone who's a tremendous addict, who's in the lowest of the low, as long as they don't veer off of that path of truth, they're on a path, right? And things can start to open up. We, 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 whenever we've talked about his Hizbaitadus and learned Torah Nun Beis in the Kutimaran, Torah 52, over there, Rabbi Nachman says there's a few ingredients that are absolutely necessary in Hizbaitadus, and one of them is truth. Meaning you cannot, it's not that you can't lie to Hashem, or that it's stupid to lie to Hashem, which it is, because who are you talk, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you trying to do, right? But it's this, this thing that is so, so powerful to me, is that if, I, if I'm lying when I'm talking to Hashem, if I'm lying when I'm thinking about my own personal actions and my own personal path, I'm just covering up everything that I'm doing. I'm covering up any possibility that I have to move in the right direction. I'm ignoring it. I'm just ignoring it. And if I don't uncover it, I can't, I can't understand what, what I need to do. And how I can't see the path to move forward if I'm covering it up all the time. And that's what we do when we rationalize and when we justify our actions and, and our behaviors. Right? So we, we're all going to make mistakes. We're all going to have addictions in whatever level we have them. Right? We're all going to have these things that we, we, can't, we can't hold. We're not perfect. We're all pulled down into these things that we can't stop to whatever reason. But the way to start down that path is just say, yes, that's me. I have a problem. <laughs> but that's the problem. They hide behind a mental health issue. Yeah, not like that. Not in that way. Not in that way. No, no, no. So, uh, yeah, okay. Verid's bringing up a very good point. Sometimes you don't know what you don't know. You know what? Know. Let, let's save that. Let's, let's save that for the end because I'm, I'm on board with you with that. Right? Right? But, but this is, it's, it's so important. If I would understand what I'm doing to myself, I can begin to move forward from it. Daily self-assessment and clarifying the truth are prerequisites for living a good and satisfying life. Otherwise, we waste valuable time and energy while reaching wrong destinations. Right? Like imagine, I'm making this up on the fly, right? Oh, he, he brings an example. Imagine spending $800 to get on an airplane. You ask the pilot if he's flying to Miami or Los Angeles. And he shrugs his shoulders and says, I don't know. It sounds stupid, right? It sounds ridiculous. He says at the bottom of page 85. But, but it's, it's, it's ridiculous to think that someone would get into a plane and not be sure where they're going, right? It's like, it's like uh, I was just imagining in my mind if you're walking together with somebody and you're trying to go somewhere and they say, let's go this way. And so you start going that way. And then they say, where are I? I'm not sure if it's this way. I think I see something over there. And they're like, ah, no, don't worry about it. 
We're already on our path over here. It's fine. We'll eventually get there. But I think I see over there. That's where we're supposed to be. Ah, don't. Uh, I don't want to see over there. Right? If you don't, if you don't be open to the truth, you're just going to keep going in the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. You're going in the wrong direction. Yeah. So he says, here's the, the, these are some good words. The top of page 86. Let's stop rationalizing improper behavior and blaming our problems on other people. So this, this, whole, this whole aspect of, um, it's the same thing with the aspect of the, of the victimhood complex. Victim mentality, right? Is, is if I blame everybody else for my problems, I'm never actually uncovering what they are. Right? If I just keep saying, oh, it's this person's fault that I have this problem. It's this person's fault that I have this problem. This person really should have given me more money. This person should have, I can't believe they gave me this, this whatever the stories are. I know it's not a, maybe not a good example. I don't want to use real examples because might, people might uh, know who I'm talking about. But, but if I only blame other people, I'm never, I'm stuck. I'm never going to grow because I never look inward. I never look and say, what is my part over here? What can I do? Even if it's true, that person was terrible to me. And they took my money, or they, they shouldn't have done what they did to me. It could be true, of course. But, what was my part in it? And what can I do now to move forward? What can I do to move forward? What's my, what's my rule and my job from now on? So he, he, said, he said, he brought an example over here also. He said, imagine that a man hears a Torah class, this is page 86, that says that it's not proper for, for a man to look at other women in a lustful way, right? So since he doesn't, he doesn't really appreciate that and he likes looking at women, he might do whatever he can to discredit that rabbi and say, oh, that guy doesn't know what he's talking about, right? I don't, I'm not listening to that guy. He's not my kind of rabbi, right? And he's just going to keep on going, right? And, and nothing's going to change. But if a person sees that same shear and says, okay, you know what? I have a problem looking at the opposite sex and uh, takes me places where I don't want it to take I don't want it to take me and you know what even if he says I, I, I don't think I can stop right now I'm not ready yet I'm not able to stop but I recognize this is an issue right so he said where did he say this he said that when a person does this here listen to this once a person comes to such an inclusion the result of truth, of truth, clarification, and self-assessment is he is now ready to turn to Hashem and ask for help in overcoming his bad habit or addiction. He may also now be receptive to outside help if need be. Meaning, Ravarus brings from the Gemara over here, and he says, this is important, that I probably do not have the ability on my own to overcome my most difficult challenges. I can't do it unless I have Hashem's help. Without siyata deshmaya, without help from heaven, I can't do it. Right? If I'm never actually acknowledging my problems and where I am, I'm never going to go and ask for that help. I'm never going to connect to Hashem. I'm never going to be open and cry my eyes out to Hashem, please help me. Please help me get over this. Right? And because of that, I'll never get over it. I won't, I won't be able to. So just the fact that I'm acknowledging, I'm not going to whitewash things. I'm just going to be a person of total truth. 
Now I'll be able to move forward. I'll be able to, maybe it's millistep by millistep. Is that a word? Mm-hmm. Little step by little step, right? I'm going to baby steps forward, but I'm going to be able to do it. So I have this thing in this realm that I think is uh, tremendously important. We have a, um, a pasuk in the Torah that says, Midvar Sheker Tirchak. We should always distance ourselves from, from lies, right? And um, it doesn't say over there, it happens to be there are certain places where, where we need to tell a, a little white lie, and it's positive and it's important. But except for those few places where I have to do that, the more a person accustoms themselves to saying, always speaking truth, it has a tremendously powerful effect on us. It puts us in that mind frame, right? And it's hard. It's very, very hard to be a person of truth. And, and this requires tact. And it doesn't mean you have to blab everything to everybody. And, and you say, what? It's true. I had to say it. No, you don't have to say anything. But, <laughs> but, but, but when speaking, you know, when, when, when acknowledging shortcomings and whatnot, just, just, just speak the truth all the time. You know, there's a, like, um, how many times do we say, I, I didn't do it, right? If someone uh, comes in the house, a family member comes in the house, and it's like, oh, who tracked mud into the house? I don't know. I'm making one up. And, uh, and you know it was you. It's like, well, I don't know. I wasn't out in the mud at all, right? Why? Just say, oh, yeah, that was me. Sorry. I guess I better fix it. Okay, but you're being truthful. You're keeping on the path. Because every time you, you, you lie... In order to get out of the little bit of uncomfortableness, discomfort, right? You put yourself on that path. You get your mind working in that way that I cover things up for an easier path. And it's not good for us. It's not good for us. Also not easy. Yeah. Yeah, it usually comes back to us, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I had one more example for this that's pretty wild. It's a good, it's a Canadian example. But... um, the thing is, is, it's just that like we can't. We have to. We have to know that when we go on a path of falsehood, when we follow false wisdoms, when we follow wisdoms that that, that are that were pulled by our physical desires, all these different things we talked about today. When I when I when I follow those and I invest my money, time, and energy in them, right? It's it's like I'm gone. It's like not only am I am I involved in something that's maybe not good for me spiritually, but I'm missing out on that whole path that I could have been on, right? So a name came, came into my mind for this. This is a super Canadian story, by the way. If you're Canadian, I'm sure burned into your mind is the name of this man called David Milgard. Do you remember this name? So David Milgard was someone who was charged with the murder of a, of a, a girl, I think. And he was falsely imprisoned for, I think, 30 years, if I remember correctly. And just not too long ago, he was, uh, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago, something came up. I think they were able to reprocess DNA evidence or something like that. And he was vindicated from this murder. But he spent 30 years in prison. It's, it's not enough that he was in this place of Tumah and in a dirty cell and facing all the things that people have to face in prison and going through that whole thing. But he missed out on a whole lifetime that he could have had. He could have built a family. He could have built. He could have built relationships. He could imagine. He could have built a profession. He could have accomplished so much. That whole life, thirty years, totally gone. Right. This is the theme 
of everything we were talking about tonight is that when we when we decide to engage in all of these chachmas, one of the tremendous downfalls of the chacham, right? We 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 we, we it's not only are we involved in things that, that that are not good for us, but we pull ourselves off of a whole lifetime that we could be building, a whole relationships, connections, wisdoms, amazing things we could have, we could have done in the world, right? We 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 miss out on there. So we'll hold it there. And uh, continue next week.